All right, Loveland Frogman, second attempt. And we busted out the uh, cryptid hard seltzers for this. So. I'm, so, I'm so scared to smell this. Ooh. This is like maple. It already smells stinky. Ew. It already smells fucking terrible. Just going to go ahead and say that. I'm so scared to smell this. It's maple syrup. Ugh. That's good. No. No, it's good. Eric loves maple syrup. I fucking I don't love like maple it. syrup. I'm drinking. Oh, this is good. I'm drinking the goat man. I have the chupacabra. What is yours? Is, I don't know. Oh, no. But I don't think it's bad. I thought it was going to be a cider, but I don't. I have no idea. I, I'm I'm fucking with this. I think it's, it's one of my favorite candies is those maple goldy things. Oh, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, dude, this is all right. This is way better than the Listerine Mothman. <laughs> okay, mine smells like a white claw, but not like a actual white claw. It smells like an orange, kind of. Yeah, I, I'm very happy with what Goatman brought to the table. I, I made the right choice here. Mm. I don't know. Is it bad that when I first initially popped the top on it, I had like sensory memory of the fucking swamp water that fucking <laughs> yeah <laughs> the my cat food smell. <laughs> and immediately, I didn't smell it, but my brain said, "Nope, fuck you." <laughs> as soon as I hit you the tab just, on it, you were just fucking done with that one. I was like, it was PTSD. Well, I lit. Uh, Jackson smell it and he goes, oh, ugh. he's like, I'm never drinking. <laughs> That's fucked up, man. But effective. I, I said, oh, not all drink. Then I had to explain to him. I was like, not all drinks smell now like that. No, you should just be like, they all smell like this. No, I'm not gonna do that. He likes wine. Mm. Ooh. See, yours tastes kind of like mine, but with a different like. Mine. I don't know what mine tastes like. I want to try Eric's. Ugh. I want to try it. It smells lovely. This one is like orange flavored. Mm. Oh my god! It literally smells like pancakes. That makes me super happy. Yeah, it's like mimosa flavored. Mm-hmm. It's like mimosas. Yeah, that is. Damn. A, that is lovely as hell. I like yours better. I like mine. You know what? I bet it is blood orange because it's chupacabra. Ooh. Wait, wait the goat man. Goatman's like maple, but he's got a he's got an axe, so he's like a lumberjack. And then whatever the fuck I don't know what the fuck Sam's got going on over there. <laughs> he's got like a Sasquatch with a mouth in its stomach. I'll post the pictures of uh, pictures of all the cans on our so social media. Crazy. What is it? The bag Magda? Mm, Mapinguari? I've never heard of that one. It, I thought it was Bigfoot. Mm. I mean, it looks kind of like Bigfoot, but nineteen thirties, the Amazon. Oh, it's I can't see. It says the sound of its call shook the forest itself. Huh. Well, his, that's nifty. His height is six foot six. His weight is a lot. And his interests are long hikes and parkour. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's fucking funny. Well, anyway. Oh, this is really this is spicy. Mm. Brazilian folks said to protect the forest and its animals. Oh my god, this statue of it looks like the stuff of nightmares or it would be put in a mini golf course. My dude? 
it. Oh my god. That's horrifying. Mini golf Yes. Shut up. You've never seen like the. You know, painfully accurate. That's fucking atrocious. It's made out of like paper mache and lost dreams. Oh like many of the mini golf God. courses here in Mobile Beach. Oh, did you see the one they tore mm-hmm. down the one in Surfside? Yeah. I'm so sad. Somebody, somebody saved the octopus though. Yes. Yeah, they did. They mm-hmm. did. But alright, guys. Welcome to Creeps in the Crypt. Welcome, welcome. We are officially here for the heart of spooky season. We're doing cryptids back to back. I was going to break them up, but due to technical difficulties, the original Love Man, uh, Loveland Frogman episode love is man. Love Man. Yeah, the he's, love he's man. the Love Man. Uh, Frog, Frogman episode is uh, no good, so we're redoing it. And you might be wondering why Sam is here and not. No, I don't of, want to talk about it. Okay. Either, but I do want to talk about your shenanigans. Okay. So, oh, Lord. Uh, our house is now fully decorated for Halloween. Yes. It's a spooky. Uh, we have a 12-foot witch and a 12-foot phantom that I named Phil Spector because that's just fucking funny. He's Big Phil. Well, Christian was a casualty. She almost ended up being one of the Halloween decorations. Okay. So, we're gonna preface- we, we were breaking OSHA violations. Yeah, we were going to break... Uh- we're going to at least put a disclaimer out there. There was alcohol involved and not good judgment. Yeah. When we were putting uh, Big we, Phil what together. What good decisions come out of, you know, things without alcohol <laughs> yeah. and, you know, building things. So, so we were building this giant phantom and then there's a, like a support rope, like cable to keep him like from swaying and shit. Mm-hmm. Well, we had Christian up trying to hook the cable so I could connect it at the bottom mm-hmm. and the ground was soft and the chair went <gasps> forward and um yeah christian crumpled to the ground and i hooked- hit i hit on my tailbone and on the backs of my legs ow <gasps> oh i fucked my shit up uh, that's the back <gasps> of her knees. That's after the day. So that's not the same day. That's like day two. Uh, we, that was day three. Yeah. So can you imagine what that looks like before that? And we can't post photos. Of, well, I might post the photos of her knees. You might be able to. I can't post the photos of yeah. my wife's ass. I'm sorry to, to all you creeps. I, I just can't <laughs> do that. Um, Instagram won't allow it. Mm-mm. I that's mean, horrible. Oh, it was awful. Then I laid on the ground because I was like, am I okay? Am I dead? First of all, am I dead? And here's just like. Oh, my jaw was on the ground. <laughs> I was just like. No, oh. Thank God none of our neighbors were outside to see that happen. Uh, I was like, who's going to be my backup wife now? God damn it. You don't got no damn backups and you know well, that. I know. I'd have to go find one. But. Who's going to want this? Eric goes, oh my God. Are you okay? And I was like, shut up. Don't fucking talk to me. <laughs> Appropriate response. It's shut up. up. Don't talk to me. It I was a up. rude response. I was came from a caring place. That doesn't care. matter. I didn't care. She fell down. Okay, fine. She can react I to I All right, she bitch, wants. get up off the ground whenever you're ready. That's not what she wants either. Well, then, I don't, I'm, I don't know what any of you women want. We don't either. I did get up <laughs> on my own. Maybe and I was like, you're on your own. I can't. <laughs> Count me the fuck out. Also an appropriate response. 
Uh, then Eric was like, I don't know why we, don't, why we didn't just like lay it down, put the support ropes on it, and then push it up. Which that is what been, we ended up doing. Yes, which would have been this... It, in hindsight, standing on a fucking chair after 30 is a terrible fucking decision, especially yes. when it is a commercial steel made chair that will fuck your shit up. I am very lucky. I didn't break my neck. I didn't break my tailbone. Uh, I had mm-hmm. some really terrible bruising and it sucked. Um, I'm still healing from it. And that was two weeks ago. Yep. I'm just now being able to be able to sit on my ass for more than like two like hours at work without being like, I have to stand up to work because my ass hurts so fucking bad. Oh my God. That's awful. And then this drive that we did to Tennessee did not help it. You didn't get like a donut or anything? I thought about it. There was a thought, but I was like, no, I'm a tough broad. I'll be all right. She she didn't she did it right she I she did was cry the trooper I'm not even gonna lie I absolutely after hitting the ground that hard and hitting where I hit at I when I got up and I was just like I can't I can't help you you're gonna have to just do this on your own I, st- I was standing behind Eric's car and there's just like tears because I'm just like I'm in pain and he was like I need you and I was like <laughs> I want to. <laughs> This is a nightmare. So that's what we've all been up to, guys. Uh, we thought we were going to record for a whole month, but we're, I'm glad that we're kind of keeping up to date with the Halloween stuff. So it works. And I'll post pictures of our decorations and stuff on our Instagram. But In hindsight, I love them. They look amazing. Yep. Big Phil looks amazing. Phil Spector. Phil Spector. He looks amazing from the road. Swamp uh, Witch looks pretty cool, too. Yep. Swamp yes. Witch looks badass. We have uh, not given her a name uh, yet. I sorry. No. But... Anyway, enough about what we've been up to and our bullshit shenanigans. Uh, you know what a Loveland Frogman and Anthony Kiedis of the Red Hot Chili Peppers have in common? What? They both love being under a bridge. Oh, my God. Hey. And there you go. And without further ado, Sam, let's get into the Loveland Frogman or Frogman or the Loveland Lizards, whatever the fuck you want to call them. I've been calling them Froggy Guy. Fair enough. I don't know. Wasn't this, there a guy from like the Little Rascals named Frogman? Froggy. Oh yeah, yeah. Froggy. That's he sounded I, like he had a frog in his throat. That's what I always immediately think of when anybody says the Frogman. Fair enough. The sightings of the Loveland frogs are some of the strangest in American cryptid history. Sometimes referred to as frog men, these strange creatures were often spotted near water and, in particular, bridges. The legend of the Loveland frog man, that's going to be hard to say, can be traced back to the post-war era, to the rockin' 50s. Stories started popping out, tales that di- that slightly differed from one another about a massive frog causing all manner of mischief. Urban legends that seem a little far-fetched, but incredibly exciting and fun to spread. Similar to the Mothman or the Chupacabra, the Loveland Frogman has more or less become an icon of an era. A Loveland Frog is said to be roughly three to four feet in height and weighing from anywhere from 50 to 75 pounds. It's a baby. I'm already out. It's over half my height. <laughs> I'm already out. It's like a sidekick, dude. You it's can teach si- it. He, he, these things weigh as much as AG does. Dude, Absolutely not. You can not. teach it to like wait, wait on you. It's like a server. 
You could just have it bring you snacks and shit. I feel like they write books. <laughs> put it in, like, you, you could. <laughs> you know those little. <laughs> oh, the frogs, the statues. <laughs> they're very dapper. Little bow ties. Yeah, they're dude, very... you just put that little fucker in a suit and tie, <laughs> and have him just like flop oh. his little legs around. It's Kermit the Frog, guys. No, that's no. exactly who. What this is. these things look like are that old kids' book, Frog and Toad. Yes. Do you remember Frog and Toad? I think if I saw it, you maybe had, you had a sad childhood then. This is Frog and Toad. Thank you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. This is Frog and Toad learned to read. I love that, but they're like in cute little jackets. Yeah, they're like they're dapper young men. Yeah. They're dressed like fifties hobos. They are the size of my child, and that's terrifying because she's huge. I mean. Wouldn't you like a child-sized frog to bring you drinks? Like that—that's great. That I would—I would fuck with that real hard. We'll see. We'll see. These guys have greenish, leathery skin. They are also described as having frog faces, large eyes and mouths, and walking on two legs. By some estimates, this puts them at the size of a large dog or a small person. They are also sometimes said to have deep wrinkles on their heads where hair would be on a person. So they're not far off from the homeless in Las Vegas. No, probably not. (laughs) They're just hobos. Yeah. Yeah. Little hobo froggies. Just panhandling for... Could you imagine seeing one of those as a fucking tadpole, though? Oh, my God. That thing would freak me out. It'd probably be like the size of a human baby. Like the tadpole. I have a new fear unlocked. I was thinking like a cat, like the size of a cat. Like Lou. Yeah, just like swimming at size. you. Like a giant, giant sperm. Get the fuck out. <laughs> one is, giant sperm just coming after you. There is not enough plan B in the world to get rid of that. You gotta go to oh, plan God. C. <laughs> plan Z. Yep. Plan F. F? For frog. Oh, get out. I'm already done with you. The tales start off more or less the same. You know, it's a balmy May 5th evening and a businessman or a traveling salesman or a Bible seller are driving all by his lonesome along a dark, unmanned road. That's how they all start. So literally, if you go on every Loveland Frogman website Mm -hmm. or news article, this is the origin point story. So, continue. So, there are three different retellings of this story. So, in one of them, the motorist is heading out of the Branch Hill neighborhood where when he shines his car's headlights on the huge figures, the trio is standing up on their hind legs, just standing in the middle of the road. This man honks his horn. The figures are kind of like, what? What? Like, like perk up, like, what? Um, they twist their necks around. All three look at the driver with leathery skin and frog faces. At that point, I'm already out. I'm back it up, Terry. I'm out. Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, I would be like, what the fuck way. is that? <laughs> and But then, like, the fantasy lover in me would be like, well, maybe I can broker a deal with the frogs. They're not leprechauns. Well, no, no. Like, you know, you see a frogman under the bridge. It's like, oh, you know, you want you want to barter a deal? Like, stroke a deal with me? <laughs> the fucking Billy Goat's gruff? 
Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I mean, I, I would want to hang out with the frogman, I think. I don't know. It'd so, be a cool story. They seem pretty chill. I feel like all they would smell like is like patchouli. And it would grace uh, me out. Uh, they actually, they yeah. actually have a smell, and it will talk about it later in this Is story. Is it fucking patchouli? It's not. It smells like a vegan grocery store. Ugh. Anyway, continue. I'm a, I, again, I'm out. So the other version goes something like this. A motorist of whatever kind spots the creatures under the Loveland Bridge, one of many going over the Little Miami River. He honks his horn. The creatures shot out from under the bridge. One lands on his hood and croaks, and then the driver passes out. Which, honestly, I would too. If a giant frog... Look, I've seen some big-ass frogs in my day, but absolutely not. One lands on my hood, I'm probably passing like, out, too. Well, you got to remember, this is an anthropomorphic frog. He's bipedal. Yeah. yeah. Immediately when you said croak, I was thinking, like, <laughs> like no, like it died. That's like a parrot, but you know what the fuck I mean. <laughs> no, I was thinking, like, it actually, like, croaked. Like, no, no. That's where my brain went. It makes a ribbit sound. <laughs> Just amplified. Ribbit. <laughs> I have a new fear. Fuck. <laughs> Where is this again? <laughs> it's like not to come. Ohio. Oh, figures. It's fucking Ohio. It's probably some mutant mutant frog from the Ohio River when they were dumping like <laughs> nuclear waste into it. Ew. So version number three. Same bridge. Motorist pulls over. He gets out of his car and spots the creatures. All three are conversing animatedly. The driver calls out to them. One of the Loveland frogmen get up, points his finger at his friends in the universal gesture of, like, you know, put a pin in it, and turns to the, the bothersome intruder and goes, can't you see we're holding a conversation? How rude. <laughs> he literally, this is an A-B conversation, see yourself out of it. This is a taco burrito conversation, nachos. Fuck. <laughs> now I want Mexican food. I always want Mexican food. I had it on sun Sunday. You're a monster, Sam. I can't get Mexican food. Oh, Taco Bell, fourth meal. Mm. See? Solutions, my friend. Not problems. That is not an advertisement for Taco Bell. Just, you know, but if y'all do want to pay, if y'all do want to pay us, I will accept Shit, payment in tacos. Yeah. Email us at creepsinthecrypt at gmail.com. <laughs> So, the frogman, he's like, hey, we're having a conversation over here. Don't be rude. He pulls out a wand from over his head and flicks. Like, like a vibrator? Or? Like, like Harry Potter. Like, Expecto Patronum. Or whatever he fucking says. I don't know. Um, I thought he was pulling out like a dildo or something. A wand, Eric. You never know. You never know these days. Anyway, he he waves the Harry Potter-approved tool, and a blaze of fire and spark cannons out of the wand. Just like, pew, And the motorist flees the scene. Mm. Which, honestly, yeah. I'm with the motorist. That's fucking weird. It's, meanwhile, it's just like a midget in a suit with a sparkler <laughs> attached to a stick. Get out. And like all those three variants, there are... Thousands more. 
the single motorist becomes a gang of hell's angels. The traveling salesman is instead a college student with his girlfriend out at the makeout point, a like a lover's lane type, if you will. This is just a great urban legend. Mm-hmm. It, it just the the rip of this thing. I picture the third variant, the third variation of the story when he's like, "I'm having a conversation. How rude!" In the little like mustache and a British accent. I was thinking he has his hair like <laughs> gelled to one like he's qua- his hair is just perfectly quaffed. Like he and he's definitely got like a British accent. I gave him. He one hundred percent has a British like, accent. In my head, the the frogman has like a British accent. Absolutely, you must have a British accent. I imagine like Neil deGrasse Tyson that narrates like all the like the universe, the stuff. cosmos, yeah, stuff. the cosmos stuff as his voice. It's, like really scientific. No. What if it was Morgan Freeman? Oh, that would be amazing. Nah. I'm having a conversation. Mm, how rude. A British rude. Morgan Freeman. Mm. Nah, I, I think if we if we go British, he's got to be like cottony. Like, I'm having a conversation over here. I think... Well, I was Australian, uh, though. I just did. Damn. What about Anthony Stewart Head? Giles from Buffy. I'd, that kind. Yeah, maybe. That's what I'm it. seeing. In conversation here. That was really bad, but you know yeah. what I'm saying. I, I, we follow. Anyway, <clears throat> we're, we're not good at accents, folks. No, no, we're, not. we're very, unless I'm doing like Alex Jones. I can I can tap into that on the fly, but oh, outside no. of that, I'm Just turn them putting chemicals in the water. Turn the freaking frogs gay. <laughs> Just don't do. What was it? I don't remember anymore. But don't do that one. Over the. Oh. <laughs> When don't I, even bring it up. I don't want to say not it. Macho Man. Which one was it that Eric was doing forever? Charles Manson. No, no. I don't mind. It was Charles Ma- it was Macho Man. No. Don't fucking do that again. Was it Carl Panzerin that you were doing? Yeah. Yes. What was the other one that you do too? The uh, Cody Rhodes. Oh no, I don't do a Cody Rhodes impression. You, oh, I thought you did. No, no. Anyway, they all sound the same to me. Carl Panzerin got me. No. Never again. That stays in that episode. No more. But over the course of our research, we discovered that this part of the urban legend is a composite of different accounts. Early UFO investigator Leonard Stringfield wrote in a 1957 report named Inside Saucer Post 3-0 Blue Cincinnati, Ohio, Civilian research, inter- interplanetary flying objects. That was a mouthful. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I don't see that one being on the New York bestseller list. No, I, can, I could barely Just even the get title the title. the title takes up the whole fucking front It's page. a whole paragraph. Or CRIFO for short. CRIFO. I'd rather say the whole thing again. It sounds like a venereal disease. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what being a ufologist is like. It's like having a venereal disease. (laughs) Like, no woman wants to touch you. That's for damn sure. No, not when you got something like the criff. No, I was talking about, like, if you're a, you know, ufologist. It's like crabs and syphilis. (laughs) Oh, my God. We're going to piss off so many people in the ufology community. Yes. Whatever. I'll be all right. (laughs) It's it's sent with love, I promise. Yeah. I can leg press them out the window. It's all right. Oh God. <laughs> the first 
quote unquote little men incident to alarm the nation took place on August 21st, 1955 in Kelly, which is near Hopkinsville, Kentucky. This is a cryptid we will cover probably next year. Okay. The story covered by the newswires told of a band of little ogres. And I see his little baby Shreks. That's what I see. Uh, they're goblins. Oh, they're my people. Yeah, they're, they're like goblins. Cool. So the Hopkinsville Goblins is a fascinating case where it's like a fucking family of hillbillies basically go to war with these fucking cryptids. Oh, I'm so fucking here for that. Dude, it's awesome. I'm so here for it. Anyway, where is that base out of? Kentucky. Of course it is. Right? Of course. So... <clears throat> These little ogres are descending on this farmhouse, causing its occupants some frightful moments. While the nation tittered over this, the little creatures dropped into Cincinnati. Like a plague, they began infesting the communities of Winton Woods, Cumminsville Camp, Washington, Mount Airy, and Green Hills. Leonard Stringfield had heard about a case involving a prominent businessman who saw four little men about three feet tall under a certain bridge near Loveland, Ohio. Uh, Leonard said that this businessman had reported his sighting to a local police and that an armed guard had been placed at the bridge. Leonard stated in his newsletter, quote, this person, who is a non-drinker and churchgoer, we must add these virtues, it seems, for credibility, saw four, quote, strange little men about three feet tall under a certain bridge. I love the quote. fact that they fucking added that to He's it. He's a non-drinker and a churchgoer. Dude, he, um, the fact that that was, like, such a prominent thing in, like, the 50s to, to add on there right. to make it seem, like, legit. Like right. give it and an, then they're freebasing cocaine. <laughs> no, that was like the twenties. Oh, sorry. And the seventies, but um, <laughs> wrong decade. Oh, yeah. sorry, I skipped it a little bit. This is a very religious group, but like that's what gave this whole thing an air of credibility. Is like, yeah. oh, he was a non-drinker, non-smoker. He's just, you know, just a nice, upstanding gentleman. Love that. <clears throat> Leonard Stringfield was informed around August 1955 by Herbert Clark of the Ground Observer Corps that a volunteer of the Civil Defense had seen three men that stood about three feet tall under a bridge of his sector, which would have prompted the local police force and the official of the civilian defense to take measures. Um, Herbert specifying that the bridge was then guarded by these armed men. <clears throat> you got a frog in your throat, dude? A little bit. Yeah. Uh, in spite of his special contacts with the Ground Observer Corps and the command of the Civil Defense of the Air, Leonard failed to obtain any confirmation of an official intervention. The authorities of the Civil Defense of Loveland, Frank Whitecotton... Cotton's White. That's a great, great fucking name, dude. Honestly, I, I enjoy it. He was the coordinator of the Ground Observer Corps for the county of Hamilton. The chief of police uh, of Loveland, John Fritz, knew nothing of that. But a member of the Council of the College of Love, These people, they need to have shorter names. <laughs> this is... This UFO report is extremely fucking thorough. It is, but these names are a country mile long. 
I mean, you know, you got it'd be nice if they shortened them a little bit. A little bit. I would still <clears throat> take these over the dinosaurs. <clears throat> Remind me to do another dinosaur cryptid episode. Yes. Then you're going to have to narrate it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I feel you like can you... fuck right off with your damn dinosaurs. Or I'm going to have Siri say it for me. <laughs> We've done no. that before with Christian. If it Participation no, if it has more <laughs> If it has more than like six consonants and three vowels in it, I don't want to read it. I'm just going to say that. It's all on you, dude. Yep. I'm not doing no damn dinosaurs anymore. <laughs> fuck you. Anyway. <laughs> He's a jackass. I love it. <laughs> so John Fritz, he is the chief of police for Loveland. He knew nothing of this going on. But a member of the Council of the College of Loveland told him that the FBI investigated this incident. In 1956, Leonard set up a meeting between ufologist Ted something and who was intrigued by this case and Frank Whitecotton. Ted, who would investigate the case with obstinacy during 18 years after, reported that in the meeting with Frank at the Stringfield's home on August 26, 1956, this is like a year later, he asked him whether he could give additional information on the Bridge case and the answer was neither enthusiastic nor instructive. The Ted's last name is Bloker, by the way. Bloker? Bloker. I would not have guessed that. Yep. Ted Bloker. He had, he did a great book on this, by the way. Interesting. That some of the information for this episode came out of. Nice. So, uh, the case was, un was quote-unquote, familiar to him, to um, Ted. Um, but he was unaware of the details and the chief of police, John Fritz, would probably know more since it was him who, upon receiving the report, had ordered to establish police force survey around the bridge. So like a, a uh, not a protective detail, like a, um, just a watch. Yeah. Um, just somebody to watch, keep guard. Yeah. Frank, however, warns that John might be reluctant to talk about it. Ted found John cordial, cooperative, and precise, but not very eager to talk about the bridge case. He asked on the possibility that the FBI was interested in it. He started to play with coins and keys, which were on his desk, and to stir up papers. He stated that he was unaware of such a possibility, and he changed the subject. John seemed surprised that Ted was interested in it, so the latter explained to him that he was associated with the Civilian Saucer Intelligence of New York and carried out investigations with Leonard Stringfield into the reports of small men in the area of Cincinnati. He then showed the drawings Bud Ledwith made about the Hopkinsville case entities, the little ogres. Uh, John looked at them and became less reluctant. John then indicated that the incident of the bridge had taken place one evening in the beginning of July, or maybe June, with a witness who was driving a truck of the civilian defense as a volunteer of the civilian defense. Driving on a bridge in the area of Loveland, he noticed four small silhouettes on the edge of the river under the bridge while a foul odor floated in the air. 
This witness, whose name is Carlos Flanagan, went immediately to the Loveland Police Office and reported the incident. The chief of police was away, and his report was met with laughter when he got made fun of. Yeah, because they're like, oh, this guy's probably drunk. Yeah, you're like hallucinating small people. But Like, this guy drank, drank way too much. What, what did people drink back then? Schnapps? In the 50s? I, I, I don't, don't know. know. I don't fucking know. Wine? Wine's all the time. Who, yeah, Lots who of martinis. Yeah, probably. John told Carlos that he had no knowledge that there was ever a police report filed around the bridge. Or, like, uh, involving the bridge. In the end of the interview, he offered to drive Ted to the witness's home. The witness lived, so Carlos, he lived on a farm with his wife and family, and the two men arrived at the home as the family was sitting down to eat. The men were told that they could not stay more than 10 minutes, and their visit obviously did not fill them with enthusiasm. The man initially claimed that he would not talk about the incident to anybody at any time, that he'd been ridiculed when he reported it, and he was obviously still a little bit bitter over the whole thing, which, fair. Because he had actually lost his job with the civilian defense because he filed this report. Which is kind of fucked up. Well, this is the same thing that goes on with, like, Air Force pilots. Mm-hmm. Like, if you see a UFO and you'd report it for the longest time until recently, you would get, you know, put on desk duty. That sucks. You'd be in the chair force from there on out. The chair force. Um, Ted showed him the drawings of the creatures of Hopkinsville, and the man specified that they did not resemble at all the silhouettes he had seen. He asked whether he had seen details such as large eyes or claws at the end of the arms, and he stated that he had only seen four small men with a more or less human appearance, approximately three feet tall and moving in an odd manner under the bridge, seen during no more than ten seconds. He confirmed that there was then a terrible odor at this place, and he said nothing else. Ted was surprised that, for this case, nobody seemed eager to talk, whereas the same people openly spoke about the other cases in the area. He supposed that there was perhaps really an, inter- an intervention of the FBI with pressures to keep their mouths shut. Later in 1956, while trying to find more information on that sighting, Leonard said he was able to talk to a man who had encountered beings similar to those seen by the unnamed businessman, the one that holds all the credibility. Yep. Uh, According to Leonard, he and two fellow investigators met with Robert Honeycutt, who Leonard describes as, quote, a man in a responsible position, well-dressed, well-mannered, his voice soft, undramatic, his eyes steady, never shifting. Which tells you he's not lying. Right. At about four... Definitely a non-drinker, non-smoker. And a churchgoer. <laughs> so, so that like a Virginia governor. You did. Well, great. I am from Virginia, so... That would make me laugh. That was great. You're welcome. I'll be here all week. At about 4 a.m. on a March night in 1952, while driving through Branch Hill on his way to Loveland, Robert saw in the beams of his headlights what appeared to be three men kneeling at the right side of the road. His first impression was that you know, maybe somebody was hurt or some crazy guys were having fun. 
Curious, he stopped his car and got out for a better look. Don't ever do that. First off, why? They don't have candy, I promise. Mind your damn business. Stay in your lane and keep going. Dude. Hell no. It's the 50s. They're, or this. I'd at least shine the high beams at him. I'm white, but I'm not that white. I would definitely survive in a horror movie. No, you wouldn't. Yes, I would. No, you wouldn't. Why not? Because. I'm not a bitch to be like, I'm going to hear a noise. Hello? No, I'm, that, I'm out. No, you'd be the one that like hauls ass and then like fucking trips in a gopher hole or some shit breaks your ankle. I would not. And then they got to carry you around and then like five people get killed. First off, no slasher person, murderer, serial killer, none of them ever fucking run. So why would I run? Yeah, but all the people run. Right. And he's going to go for them. I mean, hell. I'm not, well, I'm not running. He don't run. He doesn't have to. He's playing by a different set of rules. I'll play by the same one, Tommy. <laughs> First dead. <laughs> Is it because I'm a ginger? Is that why I got no. a token? No. I would definitely survive. Because I'm already out. Mm. Gopher hole. No. Broken ankle in a gopher hole. Calling it right now. Fuck off. <laughs> you know, there's a filter on TikTok if I was driving a horror film, and I'm going to find it, and I'm going to do it. Do it. I will. Content, content, survive. content. I would not survive. I would. 100%. Yeah, she'd try to play patty cake with the motherfucker. <laughs> and he'd chop her hands off. Probably. He would He would drop me back off. He'd say, like, mm. <laughs> no. I feel like he would be perplexed. Be like, he what? would. <laughs> He's like, what? this is your problem now. <laughs> so he gets out for a better look, the Robert Honeycutt. To his surprise, he discovered that the figures were non-human and about three feet tall. They were not green. Robert insisted they were a grayish color, including their clothing. These tight fittings stretched over a lopsided chest with which bulged at the shoulder to the armpit. So like like Barbie joints, you know? They had like really good shoulder muscles. Cool. I wish I could did. I like shoulder muscles. Um so over the bulbousness hung a slender arm noticeably longer than its opposite member. Yeah, they, like, never skipped shoulder day, but skipped everything else. I mean, that's fine, I guess. Just don't skip leg day. Don't ever skip leg day. Well, they, they gotta have good legs to, to jump. Right. Can't ever skip leg day. You look like a weird triangle. Unless you slip and fall out of a hot tub on vacation like I did. Yeah. You did that. Mm. So. And you were, like, partially sober. I feel like I uh, had one drink. Yeah. Anyway, let's continue. So, it, the the he had nice nice shoulder muscles. Everything else was wimpy, save for only a fleeting impression of quote something baggy. The legs and feet were obscured by weeds and brush. Robert said their heads were ugly. It reminded him of a frog's face, mostly because of the mouth, which spanned in a thin line across a smooth gray face. While Robert thought the eyes without brows seemed normal, 
and the nose was indistinct. The pate of the head had a painted on like hair effect, like a plastic doll. They're trying to look like a Ken doll, dude. (laughs) He is Kenuff. Jesus (laughs) Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. Uh, I hate that I teed you up for that. <laughs> Just set Out of that the park. right You up. sure did. Thanks, buddy. Fuck you. <laughs> he, so Robert added it was corrugated or like he had like rolls of fat running horizontally over a bald head. According to Robert, the middle biped and the closest one to him was first seen with his arms upraised. So they were raised a foot or so above the head and holding a dark chain or stick which emitted blue-white sparks jumping from one hand to the other. So they're freaking conducive now? As he approached he said this biped then lowered its arm with the chain or whatever it was as if to tie it around its ankles. Robert said that he wanted to get closer, but by the time he had reached the front fender of his car, the little men made a slight unnatural move toward him as if motioning me to not come any closer. For about three minutes, Robert said he stood still just watching, too amazed to be afraid. Next thing he remembered, he was on his way to John Fritz's office, the chief of police. So they was like, memory loss? Are these little greys? Could be. We don't know. That's the kind of vibe I'm getting right now. They're little baby chubby greys. They're greys at fat camp. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. It's funny that oh, funny gray, gray fat camps in Ohio. <laughs> well, <laughs> Leonard said that the police chief Fritz investigated the area but found nothing. He also noted that members of the Loveland Ground Observer Corps reported seeing a UFO in that general area the night of Robert's sighting. See? And that's what See? the Ground See? Observer See? Corps was was like. That's what they were there for. So you got to remember, this is like the height of the Cold War. Uh-huh. Like this is this is like well, I wouldn't say the height, probably the beginnings of the Cold War. Uh-huh. So that's what these guys would do in the like during World War Two is they'd look for like bombers and shit at night. Mm-hmm. It was a volunteer thing. So once the Cold War started back, they brought the the these guys back to like see if there were any like Russian planes or anything. So they were always looking up at the sky, and if you look for shit, eventually you'll find it. Yep. Yes, you will. So, at this time, UFO sightings in the area weren't uncommon, something that certain researchers have attributed to the proximity of the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Which is where they actually keep all the UFOs, not Area 51. And it's in Ohio? Why the fuck? Anyway. Ted detailed a third case of similar character that occurred in the same time period, this being related to him by Frank Whitecotton, who is the head of the Loveland Ground Observer Corps, Emily Magnon, and her husband of Loveland Heights were awoken by their dog barking, at which time they noted an, quote, extremely strong and penetrating odor like a swamp, but witnessed no other activity. 
The couple, however, per Frank's account of their account. So it's like Frank's telling their story that they told him. So these things literally smelled like the Loveland Frogman sells her drink. That turned my poop green. <laughs> the, the drink was green. It was horrific. The yeah, it definitely was- had like radioactive green dye in it. Uh, not a fan. I won't be doing that again. Um, so the couple were told by next door neighbor that the neighbor had seen a little man of very strange appearance, about three feet tall and entirely covered with what looked like twigs or foliage standing motionless about 15 feet from her porch. The neighbor switched on her porch light on and off several times, causing the being to disappear and then reappear each time. No further information was cover- was uncovered by Ted about this incident. The fact that the thing would, like, camouflage when no light was hitting it. Or it wouldn't camouflage, but as soon as light hit it, like, That's crazy. camouflage. Like Predator. Ew. On March 3rd, 1972, at 1 a.m., the Loveland Police Department... Mar- yeah, that, that was all the sightings in the 50s. Now we're moving 20 years later, and there's more sightings. Love that. So, Loveland Police Department marched into the madness. Officer Ray Shockey was gliding his car on the Riverside Drive near the Totes Boot Factory and the Little Miami River when a suspicious animal ran across the road in front of his vehicle. He hit the brakes and hit the steering wheel and looked on. The animal, now fully illuminated in his patrol car's headlights, blinked at Officer Shockey, who was having a meltdown quite true to his last name. Officer Shockey was, in fact, in shock. Framed in his car's lamp stood the legendary Loveland Frogman. Leathery skin, bright eyes, tongue ready to catch a fly the size of a VW Beetle. Shockey reported the sighting and stated, It's crouched like a frog. Officer then stated the creature climbed over the guardrail and jumped into the river. I just had to reboot for a second. Two weeks after that, the wild incident, a second Loveland police officer, Mark Matthews, did Officer Shockey a solid and reported seeing an unidentified animal similar in height and facets near the same road. Officer Matthews, man who wasn't known to overthink things, came out of his car, guns blazing. He shot the animal right between the eyes and double-tapped it. Fuck, man. Just to be certain, the Loveland Frogman was on an express trip to the lily pad up in the sky. God damn. Officer Matthews then dragged the body into his car. The man wanted to show Officer Shockey his catch of the day. According to Officer Matthews, it was, quote, a large iguana about three or three and a half feet long. And he didn't immediately pinpoint the creature's ID because it was missing its tail. Not a freaking Loveland frogman. It either got loose or was released when it grew too large, Officer Matthews said, dreaming up a scenario in which the iguana had been someone's pet. I'm Why is this not set what, in Florida? What time of year was this? Uh, March, I think. There is no goddamn way an iguana would be out in March in Ohio. So the officer Shockey, 
It was two weeks after. So, yeah, uh, mid to late March. Yeah, um, ain't no way, dude. I'm calling bullshit on the iguana thing. It was yeah. a goddamn frogman. So, Officer Matthews shows Officer Shockey the animal. Officer Shockey confirmed that it was what he had seen out there in the dark that day. I'm willing to bet he was catching a ton of shit, and somebody had an old pet iguana, and they just were like... Hey, you want this? They are probably like, yeah, let me kill that iguana so I can get get all this heat off this Loveland Frogman shit off my back. Maybe. Officer Matthews retold the incident to an author of a book about urban legends, but stipulated the author omitted the part that confirmed that the creature was an iguana rather than a frogman. Lame. In January 1975, Ted Bloker wrote to the FBI office in Cincinnati requesting any information available on the case, and the answer was that there is none. The fabled Loveland Frogman was allegedly spotted most recently in August of 2016. The whole farcical and outlandish chronology of the Loveland Frogman took yet another turn into the land of the wacky. A local Cincinnati TV station reported that a, quote, night out, uh, night of fun turned into a chilling tale of horror. Sam Jacobs said he was playing Pokemon Go in the mid-August of 2016 near Congregation Beth Adam Synagogue on Loveland Madeira Road. Sure. Sam said he had crossed train tracks to the banks of Lake Isabella when he spotted something strange. We saw a huge frog near the water, not in the game. This was an actual giant frog, Sam told WLWT. Then the thing stood up and walked on its hind legs. I realize this sounds crazy, but I swear on my grandmother's grave, this is the truth. What was the toad's name from Looney Tunes? The toad. The one that's like. Hello, my honey. Hello, my baby. Hello, my ride town gal. That one? The dancing frog? Yeah, the dancing frog. Did the motherfucker get up out of the swamp like that? Like just twirling a cane in a top hat? (laughs) And just like wandered off? That would have been fucking great. Sam claimed the frog stood around four feet tall, sending. Michigan J Frog. There you go. Uh, He sent dark photos of the creature to support his claim. Sam said he doesn't know what to think of his sighting. Not, she said, not, quote, not sure if it was a frogman or just a giant frog. Either way, I've never seen anything like it. The legend of the frogman was hung around Loveland for decades and has quite the cult following. Uh, He's like on par with Paul Bunyan for Ohio. Damn. Like this dude get like the Loveland Frogman is like their their Mothman, essentially. Damn. So, but yeah, guys, that's it. That's the Loveland Frogman. Um, Maybe that's why Lucy and Salem killed the frog that got in our house. Oh yeah, that happened too. Uh, the cats killed a frog in the house. They ripped all of its limbs off and then left the stump alive. Christian had to. Put it out of its misery. Yeah. I had to clean up their horrific mess. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, it was bad. Yeah, they don't like frogs. But you know what? We are doing a cool little charity, though, because uh, 
It's mine and Sam's birthday month, October. And the loose. It's the kitty's birthday month. So on our Instagram, there is a link for the next two weeks uh, to donate to a local no-kill shelter here in Myrtle Beach called Kind Keepers. Uh, or Kind Keeper. Uh, so any money you guys want to donate to them uh, to help feed cats and dogs and keep them alive and not dead in a kill shelter, uh, please donate on our Instagram link. That would be really cool of you. Yeah. Uh, and without further ado, Christian, if you could drop them socials and tell these people where to find all of our shit. We appreciate you guys so much, and we are in the throes of spooky season. Ooh. Especially when Christian gets thrown off of a chair. Eric gets thrown into it off of a hot tub. Sam gets thrown into turmoil over here. Mm. Mm. I'm in turmoil? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. It's okay. It's okay. You're here though. I'm 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 on the other side of it. Yep. We appreciate that. And we love you guys so so much. And the best way you can show your love to us is by making sure you guys download, share. And leave us a review with any of the episodes. I mean, even if you go back, we do read them. We see them. They make us happy. If you have any suggestions, please. We are getting ready to start planning next year. And it gets a little cumbersome because we we forget about stuff. And then when somebody says, we're like, ooh, the feeler. Sam's feelers goes out. She's like freaking like the Mothman over here, like ready to go. Um but yeah, and then as far as with like what Eric was saying for October, we are doing uh, supporting the charity. Um, obviously, our kitties mean a lot to us, and a lot of people like to support animals in a shelter. So if you guys can donate, it'd be really great, and we appreciate you guys so much. Anything um, helps. Yeah, anything helps. Um, but yeah, uh, guys, we'll see you next week, and we have an awesome cryptid that we're covering, a personal favorite of mine. This, I feel like this is like my coming to month, because you guys know I love my cryptids. Well, I I, I was going to space these out, no, but don't the, the do schedule it. got fucked up. I don't care. But anyway, yeah, I'm we'll be back it. next week with the Snallygaster, guys, and uh, <laughs> we'll see you next Friday. Bye, guys. Stay creepy. And stay spooky. And stay safe. <laughs>